we needed to move forward, but not move on. And once I think we thought of it like moving forward, not moving on, was was good for us. And you know, and I didn't handle it the best. You know, my emotions got over me because, like I said, I I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't even know what you know. You really don't even know what grieving is until you actually have to go through it. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. I am so excited to be speaking today with Andy McCall. Andy is a teacher. We were just actually talking that he just got off of teaching virtually, and now he's here on the podcast. He's also the author of Pigtails and Steel, as well as one of the founders and is it director that you are for uh, Dads of Steel? Yeah, the bereavement Yeah, bereavement director for Dads of Steel. So we will be talking about his grief journey, him and his family's grief journey, after the passing of their of their daughter, and uh, we'll find out all those details as we converse here. So thank you so much for joining today, Andy. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Anytime I get to be Penelope's dad and, and talk about these things, it's, it's an honor. Isn't it so awesome that you could still like say that, right? And mentioning her name, how much it means, right, to still be able to say her name. You know, that's, that's one of the, it's the highlight of my day, highlight of my week, anything when I, when I get to do that, because, you know, when you, when your child dies, part of that goes with you and you ask that question, am I still a dad? And that always, that was one thing I really struggled with at the first. And now I, I get to be Penelope's dad and tell her story and our story and, you know, what she's been able to do through me. Uh, I love that. And now you're also now a newer, newer dad to twins. So how about we go into your life a little bit, you and your wife, Ellen, and how you guys met and a little bit about your family dynamics and when Penelope was born and just a little more about just the cause of death. And then we'll move on from there. How does that sound? Uh, It sounds great. Yeah. So, so Ellen and I have been together for eight years. Uh, We actually met at one of the most unromantic places <laughs> in the world, we met at a, our el- our elementary school. Uh, our city schools has field day, so you know you know hundreds of kids running around. It's hot. It's you know chaotic, and that's where we actually met was at field day. And uh, she was a school nurse at a, one of the other schools, and I was uh, at, at another elementary school in fifth grade at that time. And, so oh. we hit it off. So from if there the schools and, had not had a field day against, if your school had not had a field day against the other school, you would have not met the love of your life. Right. I, don't, I know. <laughs> it, it is I romantic. If, you know, I actually think that is, is romantic. Think, <laughs> you know, it, it is one of those things that we, we, we laugh at now that how hot and sweaty and, you know, kids and parents and, 
you know, races and all that. And, and there she was. So I knew <laughs> from it. A, you're like, knew it from yeah, the you're going to be like, I saw her from across the the sea of children running the race. From across, yeah, from the, across field. the field. Dr- sweat dripping down her forehead as she stood there <laughs> handing a child. Well, yeah, the there you go. Part. Handing a child. That might be the yeah, next Yeah, handing book. a child a Band-Aid to put on their boo-boo. <laughs> There it is. Oh, well, I was trying to write. Yeah, that sounds like. I just started. I just, I just created your intro right there. So just, I'll make sure to send you you a copy. You just, yeah, you make sure to listen to this podcast over and over so you can write down those. (laughs) The intro. That's awesome. So that's how you guys met. And then how, how long after you met, did you get married? Uh, So, oh man. So that's a blur. So I'm a, so it was just, it was a little about a year. Uh, we were together for a year to two and then uh, got married and, you know, decided we want to do, you know, have children and, and go from there. And so we, we did had to do IVF uh, for Penelope. We did IVF for both Penelope and our twins. Uh, it's funny. Penelope was our very first try and our twins were our very last try. So that was, that's pretty special wow. to have there. And, uh, and it was, uh, but Penelope, yeah, like you said, Penelope, she uh, she was our first. So she was born in 7-11-14, uh, 2014. And, you know, she had a medically rare life or a medically difficult life. Uh, but we always said that we didn't want her diagnosis to be her definition because there were all these things that were so rare. And we used to joke, we never, she never got a cough or the sniffles or anything like that. But, you know, she had a, a rare genetic disorder, um, Schensel Gideon syndrome, and which we only came to come to find out after she passed away really what can, it was. Can you repeat and, that syndrome again? You know, what? Uh, Schensel Gideon okay. syndrome. And uh, it's a, like I said, it's just a very rare neurological disorder and a genetic disorder. And, you know, she had infantile spasms uh, with seizures, and she battled those her whole life. And, you know, neurological delays and physical delays and, and those things. And, but, you know, we, we chose a lot of time not to focus on that. And, you know, she loved the wind blowing in her hair. And, you know, I think about all the good she did in, in her short time uh, here. You know, I'm just, I'm just grateful. How old was that. she when but, she passed away? And what words, do you like the word uh, passed away? Do you like to say when she left us? What are the terminologies around that? I, I try to ask this. I should have asked that even before using that to the guests because there's certain words that sometimes mean more to somebody. Right. You know, I, the, I think it's different for me all the time. I think it, what words I use, it, it, you know, I've never really focused on mm-hmm. the words as much, I think. And that, that's more of, you know, maybe in a different context, I'll just say mm-hmm. she died. And, you know, there's sometimes I'll say she passed away, you know, that, and that's one of those things I, when we talk, it, it really does. It sticks out for, for, men especially I found you know we just sort of matter of factly just say you know she died you know a month before her set her second okay. birthday so she died uh June 9th um in 2016 okay. so and yeah that's I think it just with the situation it's whatever comes yeah. out you know it's, it's it's one of those I listen to a lot of people you know in the in the grief world you it is and for some people it's easier to say mm-hmm. passed away or you know uh, I don't like to think of it sometimes as she lost her battle with cancer because I know how hard she fought and I know how hard we fought. And I don't think lost is the right word. But then again, 
I don't know what the right word is. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, yeah, people say we lost her or we, you know, everybody has just different terminologies of how they say. And you're right. I Depending on the setting or who, who you're talking to, you might use a different phrase to, you know, explain right. the fact that she's not physically here anymore uh, with you guys. But um, but thank you for, for sharing her. So tell us then, she passed away then in June. She was a little bit less than two years old. Um, how was it for you guys? Well, first off, you had already been grieving probably even those two years. Had you grieved in those two years during her aspect of her diagnosis itself of when she was born or I think we, I think we grieved uh, just some of the delays and, you know, when she was going through her seizures and infantile spasms, I think, you know, that was traumatic the very first time because I was not a medical person. All my wife being a nurse, she, you know, she was our rock during all that. And I mean, I'll give her, you know, props or, anything, you know, she got us through a lot of that because like I said, I I barely got sick when I was growing up. So I think for me, it was a little bit harder because I didn't understand a lot of things. Now I feel like I had a PhD by the time, you know, it it was two years into it, but I think a lot of us do, but you know, but being that special needs dad and being in that special needs community, you know, you, you do grieve and you, you don't really realize you are, but you, you think a lot about those things that she'll never be able to do or you wonder if she'll be able to do. And, and at the time I didn't know if that was grieving. I didn't know if that was just a loss of hopes or a loss of dreams or that's grief, but any of the uh, loss right. of hopes, loss of dreams. That's what all, everybody's all been. Above. Every, a lot of people have been experiencing all this year is that type of grief, a loss of jobs, loss of, loss of opportunity, loss of, the, you know, loss of connection, loss. It's all, it's just, a different type of grief, you know, different type of grief. It's not the, yeah. Wow. So yeah. So you didn't really know what it was at that time that it was actually grieving. Yeah. And you know, I think it hit me hardest when, you know, when we found out it was cancer. So, you know, it was, we just woke up one Saturday morning and her legs weren't working. And, you know, with everything she had going on, I didn't think cancer, cancer never even entered my mind. I figured she had a bad UTI or maybe, you know, a seizure might've caused something. And so we took her, I actually went back to work. Then that, that was a Saturday. I went back to work on the Monday and then I got the call from my wife that it was cancer and it was apparently pretty bad because they wanted us to go straight to St. Jude. And uh, from there, that's when we found out how, rare and aggressive it was. It was already a stage four medulloepithelioma, which like a bit, it was a brain tumor. And uh, we didn't have very long. So, you know, from the time of diagnosis to the time of, you know, her death was short. I mean, it, it was short, but we packed a lot in there and, and, you know, got a bucket list. I want to, say, I want to know, what did so, you do? What were some of these things that you did? Oh, uh, we, we dyed her hair. <laughs> And, what color? Um, what color? We dyed her hair. It was, it was, it was, her hair was darker. So we wanted to do purple because purple is her color, but we did it pink and we got other people, a lot of people in the community dyed it pink. And, uh, she went on a Jeep ride with us. We're a Jeep family. So she went on a little Jeep ride and, uh, she got on my wife's side of the family or motorcycle people. So she took her first motorcycle ride and, it was just, we were just, what bucket list things can we do? And the biggest thing that we did, our community got behind us and 
we, you know, living in East Tennessee, we always wanted to take her to the beach. I wanted her to just feel the ocean because she loved the wind blowing in her hair. That was her favorite thing. You know, she really didn't communicate and, and she didn't have a lot of things. But when she was outside and the wind was blowing in her hair, I, you could just tell that she was just happy. And so we took her down there and we got to go to the beach and put her toes in the water and the sand and, and all that. And uh, we, we actually cut our trip because we wanted to actually go to the aquarium and do some things. But you could, my wife knew it was time. And when we got back, she passed away uh, very shortly, right after we got back from the beach. But we got to do this. beautiful. Things. And that was... I love it because instead of you guys just um, staying and, um, what do you call it, Dwell, dwelling on it? What is that word? Like, just you, you succumbing to that. You just lived it to the fullest right. to have all these memories that you're able to create with her. And that was, you know, that was when we left St. Jude, we didn't know if we had a week or a month or, you know, we know we, we knew we didn't have very long and that's how we sort of lived her whole life is we just did it. I mean, we just, we knew she, there were things that she couldn't do, but there was a lot of stuff that she could and it brought a lot of people together. And I mean, all those people that helped us get to the beach, I mean, you know, she's part of their story too. So, so wonderful. I love what you're saying that she's part of their story because the, amount of I'm gonna I get emotional like sometimes people you know when somebody dies so young you feel like wow they didn't get to do this and this and that but the 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 role they serve in the cycle of growth of somebody else's life is just like amazing so therefore their legacy continues because that other person that met her and got to be part of that journey's life has already changed. And I mean, yours and your wife's and everything you've created, which we'll go into has already, but just the impact of her young life in other people is already a legacy. Oh, oh it is. And I mean, you know, we chose early on because we knew some things, you know, were, were going to be different and difficult that to be very open and, you know, like everybody, we, we had a Facebook page for her and gave everybody updates and were able to do things. And, you know, we wanted to share because of how you know amazing we thought she was. And, you know, like you said, even though she had difficulties, you know, she was still my, my daughter. She gave me the title yeah. of dad. And, you know, I wanted to show her off to the world no matter Absolutely. what. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that and all those different ways in which you just made those last few months, you know, so special and memorable. And again, all those pictures you guys probably have now as a family to remember the, that time too. Yeah, that's, you know, and that's one thing I always looked at Ellen and I, I didn't realize until now. And I, I take that moment to tell dads, you know, take those pictures, you know, as many times as you want to roll your eyes to your wife and taking those pictures, you know, that's all I have now. That's all I have are those pictures and, and videos of Penelope and, and thankful for Ellen. She did oh. that. And, you know, now my, you know, my camera says storage full all the time because I take every picture of the twins that we have now because I realize that, you know, I'm, I'm more in the moment and I can say, Hey, you, you know, I'm remembering all the things she got to do, not the, all the oh. things she didn't get to do. That's And, you know, that's a mindset, that's a mindset shift that, while you're going through it, you know, you don't really think about it, but you know, that's why doing these things and, you know, your podcast and being able to tell Penelope's story, I hope that somebody somewhere says, 
I need to take that picture. Uh, or some dad's like, you know what, let's do that. Because one day that might be on your hand. You know, what you said about the, mind sh- the mind, uh, mindset shift is so important because it's true. Like you could totally have just focused the other way and think thinking of all the things you could have, would have, should have done, all these things. But where is that going to really lead you, right? Well, if you shifted and you do focus on all the things you did do, it completely changes just the outlook of of your life. And then, like, even just now, your role as now a new dad of two-year-old twins, like, it's probably just completely different. And I'm curious to even hear, who was Andy prior to, like, what was your mindset prior to becoming a dad? like in other circumstances, were you that type of person? Have you always been the person that looks at the glass half full? I think that I lived a pretty, before Penelope and before, you know, she, her difficulties and and especially her death, you know, I lived, I mean, I want to say a great life, but you know, I had parents that are amazing who, and a family that's close and amazing great friends and you know they always pushed me to do my best and I didn't have a lot of troubles you know that I had to had to focus on that so I I was always pretty positive like I always saw things in in a pretty good light because of my situation you know I was fortunate to have a lot of great memories from growing up and great memories from things and you know I got to live my dream of playing college football and I you know got a degree and I'm, I'm teaching you know, I'm teaching now in a classroom that I was actually a student. Oh my god! You know, that to say is that. so cool. You know, so, <laughs> yeah, it, it's very weird sometimes. You know, the first time I walked in that room, it was like I wanted to go sit in the back of the room. Not the no, front, and, and sitting, imagine like I can't just imagine you sitting on one of those little chairs that to think that you were once uh, that little second grader sitting on those chairs, and now you're the teacher right, of these little second graders. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah it'll blow your mind for sure but you know you know I, I was always pretty positive but I it wasn't situational based it was just you know I, I just was and you know afterwards and going through those things with Penelope and you know having Ellen there with me it was it forced me to because yeah you can go either way you can focus on all those bad things and sit at home and dwell on it and like you just said woulda shoulda coulda but you know, instead we were making those memories and, you know, we were taking her on those trips and doing those things that, you know, now I look back and that's all I think about. I don't, I try not to think about those negative things. And, you know, I don't remember the hospital visits. I don't remember the times, you know, those aren't the first things that come Mm. to my mind. It's, it's, it's all these other things that come to my mind because, you know, that's what we chose to focus mm, on. Love that. They, yeah, there's the saying, right, what you focus on expands and so forth. And so, therefore, that's why you have so much joy to, you know, when you think of her because you did focus on all these joyful moments you got to spend with her and creating those memories. Now, how do you and Ellen talk to the twins about their big sister? Because that journey, how, how and I'll, I'm wondering too, and we'll we'll talk about that grief period too before you guys became parents again as well but how do you talk about Penelope to is it Scout and Maisie is that her name Scout yeah Scout and Maisie so you know they they know they know Sissy Elope they they almost can say Penelope but it, it comes out as uh Sissy Elope, Elope. And, <laughs> I love- you know her pictures are 
Cecilope. Like it just sounds like a whole new name. Cecilope, like all together. Right. Yeah, it's like sometimes I'll call her that instead of Penelope. Like, oh, so, you know, because, you know, her pictures are all around the house and they're everywhere. I mean, they're behind me. They're, you know, and they see her everywhere. And, you know, we're still learning how to talk to them or, you know, we're still wondering, you know, when are those conversations? You know, obviously them being almost three, they're not having, we're not having deep discussions yet. But, you know, they know her. They know what her face looks like. They know the things in the house that are hers or were hers. And, and, uh, you know, it's going to just, she's just going to be part of their life. And when, you know, when we're ready to have that conversation of where she is, you know, you ask where she is now and, you know, they'll point to the wall or they'll point, you know, to a picture. And, you know, right now that's okay because they know her, they smile when they, when they see her name and, you know, we're, we're learning as we go though. For sure. Yeah. Those are, those are those really tough kind of moments as parents that we don't even like when we're having to explain to our children you know, like, the, what do we say, like, to a two-year-old, like, about, you know, like, how do you explain, like, where is she, like, where is she, like, where is, it's like, is, you know, do you say in her heart, you know, or like, you know, in your heart, or what, you know, and what is age appropriate at each stage of their life, right, as well, like, you start kind of thinking that. I, um, I had a, my first pregnancy was a miscarriage, and so with the kids, I hadn't told them that we had had, you know, a that they were, they could have probably not even existed, really, probably, who knows, because life would have been a different way, right? But there's a stuffed animal right. that my son sleeps with, it's a huge cow, he's, he's 13, he's almost 14, <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> well, everybody knows now, but he, it's, it's this stuffed animal that actually uh, my husband had gotten when we found out we were pregnant, and so, but that's his, that's his, and that's been his you know, since he was born, he's the oldest. And so one time when they were about maybe five and six, something around that, or six and seven, I forget what age my kids are a year apart, was when I said, you know, that cow actually was going to be somebody else. And that's when I told them. And so, um, because it was something that was it. So, it, and it, and so it's, now they know, you know, now they know. And I say, you know, you have a little baby sibling and I don't know what the gender was, you know, and and it's always with you too, you know, and you can think of it, of your sibling and just kind of send love, you know, and things like that. So I, yeah, you, you'll, every parent will find the right time, the right place. And, and maybe it's not even the right words <laughs> because, we, you know, I think it's, it's whatever happens, yeah. happens. And, you know, I think, I think her being just a part of their life, you know, right now is they know that's her pictures and, and her things. And, and you can tell him too. And like, I, a lot of people know this, you know, my friends and things, but, you know, I, I actually have by my bedside and anytime I go speak somewhere, I actually take Penelope's rabbit, which is her. She's got a little rabbit that uh, you can usually find it like hanging out of my backpack or something like that. And, and it's by my bedside when I sleep. So if he ever feels bad about <laughs> yeah. it, there's also a 35 year old man that has uh, his daughter's that rabbit. Sitting next no, to my him, my so. son will never feel bad. He's he's all his friends, even at school know he has his cow. So it's like, I, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> comfort and that's fine. So now let's talk oh, yeah. about that period of time. Then you, um, you have, you know, you came back from the beach um, and then you're dealing now with her having passed away. What did you guys do? What did you hold on to? What tools did you have now to navigate this new stage of your grief journey? 
you know that the first part I think for everybody you know it's a fog like we were just in that fog of what do I do what do we you know where do we even go from here because you know as a, as a dad especially you know I lost my wife my you know when Penelope was born she was my wife she was my everything and when she died you know I had those questions what am I going to do with my dad? Do I do even go back to work? How do I even look at kids? You know, I'm a teacher and there's all, I'm sitting in kids and I'm a, you know, I'm a high school football coach at the time and, you know, I've got to be all in it for them too. And, you know, I, Ellen and I work really well together and, you know, we leaned on each other and, you know, I, she handled it in her way. I handled it in mine and, you know, we came together and realized that we needed to move forward, but not move on. And once I think we thought of it like moving forward, not moving on, was was good for us. And, you know, and I didn't handle it the best. You know, my emotions got over me because, like I said, I, I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't even know what, you know, you really don't even know what grieving is until you actually have to go through it. And, and uh you know, she, sometimes I say she's a saint for, for putting up with me <laughs> and the things that, that I put her through and said sometimes, you know, we all do. And, you know, she had a lot of friends that, you know, were her friends that were close to her. And I had some friends that really rallied around me. And, you know, we had a great community support, which I know is not, you know, everybody's answer. But, you know, we were so open with Penelope. We had a lot of people that wanted to help. And that really helped us because, in a way, you know, I didn't have to explain my story to everybody every single time. Everybody sort of knew it. And, you know, that made it a little, that made it comfortable some days. That made it uncomfortable other days. And, and you know, I think that just trying and trying to grieve and saying, okay, I'm going to try to go to the grocery store today. Or that was what worked for us. And, you know, for me, not handling it right, you know, I had all these thoughts in my head. I had all these things going on in my head, and I said, I've got to get them out. You know, working out wasn't helping. You know, it was helping for the hour I was working out. But, and then, you know, I, I did have to go back to work. You know, she passed away in I was the summer, just gonna so we say, were on summer break. For yeah, teaching. I was just going to say, what a, uh, I, I, again, this is one of those sil uh, sometimes silver linings. You guys had already built in this period, at least, of course, it's an eternity to grieve, but at least that to be able to really be in your emotions and not have to be in front of children for your teaching. Yeah. Not having to put that. Right. Yeah. It, it was not, you know, not, not having that sitting right there, but, and, you know, and I had a, you know, my principal at the time who, uh, you know, he said, you, you take that time, you know, you don't have to explain to me that if you, you need a couple extra, um, and but it was it was best for me mm -hmm. to go back mm -hmm. because I found out the more I sat here, the more I, you know, like you said earlier, you know, dwelled on those emotions and it wasn't helping me. And, and then I started writing. So I started writing my thoughts down and, you know, not that I'd written very much before, but, you know, just like anybody. But I was like, man, you know, this is how I got it out. And when I wrote things down, I never read them again. Oh. And a couple of people. uh I'd put a couple on Facebook there through a blog, you know, we start sort of started that cause people were still wondering how I was acting. So I, I put them in a blog and like I said, I still never read them. I, I, 
and we eventually turned that into the book Pigtails. Now, did you read it? And did you read it to publish your I, book? I, <laughs> did you read it? Then? I have not. I still, I still have not read my book. Um, I have not read. I know what's in it a little bit, um, but with my wife and then uh, two two ladies that are very special to me. Um, they're former teachers. They're both retired now. They actually edited my book and then Ellen went back and put the edits in so I didn't have to read it. Does it, does um, it, um, let me ask you, cause I, I know the reason I wouldn't necessarily read, but I want to know yours. What is your reason of not necessarily reading what you've written? I am who I am today because of what I went through in that book and the times that were good, bad, and otherwise. And I, you know, subconsciously, I know what's there. Like, I know what I wrote about. I don't know the words that I used um, or even, like, the flow or what I wrote, you know, what chapters, what. I, You know, I don't know any of that. But it's really, you know, I know who I am today and how much better I am because I wrote all that down. And I just don't feel... I just don't feel the need to. I don't feel the need to go back. And, you know, one of my goals is to go back and read it one day. And but, and I just see where you're you know, now. I, I yeah, kind of just see that journey in those pages. You see that journey right. and that growth probably by each one of those entries. Because if they're kind of like blog entries or journal yes. entries, you would see that growth. Right. Yeah, I, I understand. In my perspective, sometimes, like even when I listen to the podcast to be able to edit, it's very hard not to judge myself as I'm doing, you know? So I'm like, Oh, I interrupted. Oh, I, Oh my gosh, my laugh is so fun. You know? So I try to like skim through it. Cause if I was just focusing on that, who knows if this podcast would even be out because, you know, so I, that's my reason of why I would, you know what I mean? Is that cause it's so hard. I would would judge. I would judge myself. And I think it's because of, the grief journey that I've taken now and what I'm doing now, actively grieving and talking to other dads and actually putting my feelings out there versus trying to deal with them on my own and just putting them on paper. I, you know, I would look at myself and go, what were you doing? man? Like but, what, why? But you, know? you know what, Andy, I have to like, I have to say though, that it's still, I think very you may you might have thought like oh why didn't I share that and just write on paper you're still getting it how imagine if you had not even put pen on paper what would have happened to those emotions like it was still one step further than a lot of people do people sometimes don't even talk and and actually going to the topic of men in which I am just so excited to get to this topic too of you sharing about your bereavement group because it is focused in the men is the fact that in general, like women, you talked about Ellen having a few of her friends and things like that. Women, we tend to talk about our emotions all the time, right? All the time. That is just what we do. Men, and this is generalization, FYI, I'm not trying to stereotype, but it's a, you know, in general, that is how it is kind of societal, society is kind of built. So therefore, it is different for men to just call a buddy and say, man, I'm feeling this this way right now right so how did you end up then going from Andy the one that would write on the paper all his emotions to now Andy the one that is now a bereavement director of her dads of steel what right. was that's a that's a that's a big yes right there. So I love you it. Know, and, 
and it uh, uh you know almost all the credit does go back to St. Jude um that's where sort of my true taking that next step in grief you know happened to because St. Jude uh I'm part of the quality of life steering council and a parent advisor a bereaved parent advisor and you know we help and we help with the quality of life and the palliative care and you know, I started the stay in touch program um, that Dr. Clark uh, looks over and you just reach out to other parents that are going through the same thing. And, you know, whether it's an email, whether it's a text. So it started out, you know, it started out in baby steps, you know, is and I was like, I want to do something because of what St. Jude meant to us and what St. Jude, you know, even though we weren't there for very long and obviously we were part of the 20 percent, not the 80 percent that you just feel it when you're down there, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a different feeling. And we knew we wanted to give back and try something. So I said, you know, yeah, I'll reach out to a couple of parents and I had some successes and, you know, some were moms, some, you know, a couple were dads and, and it was, it, you know, it, I was like, man, you know, this feels really good. Like I, even, even just a text back saying, Oh, thanks for reaching out. You know, I needed some, I needed to hear a good thought or something. And I, you know, it felt pretty good. And then I took the next step and Dr. Lisa Clark said, you know, would you like to join our student council and, and do just a little bit more? And, you know, and that's when I started telling Penelope's story. And the first time, I don't even know if I made it past saying her name to a group of people that had never, you know, heard her name or heard our story or anything like that. And, and But when I got done, it was this, you know, the proverbial weight off of your shoulders. And I, I couldn't explain it. I sat there and I was like, this feet, you know, that was, that was the first time I told her story to strangers, people that had no idea. And they were so interested to hear a dad talk about his experiences. It's like, you know, I never looked back. I was like, you know, it helped them because they heard a dad talk about bereavement and, and their end of life and all that. But for me, I was like, I feel so much better. Like, when can I do this again? I, you know, I told her, I said, you started something crazy because, you know, when, when can I'm I booked. talk again? When can I tell I'm Penelope's booked. story? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, they gave me that platform to talk in, you know, a couple of different, you know, atmospheres. And then I reached out to some colleges, uh, some local colleges and said, Hey, you know, I'm a bereaved dad. I'm a cancer dad. I'm a former special needs dad, you know, you know, because in medical care, a lot of things are going to that family-centered care thought. And I said, you don't hear from dads too much. I'm a dad. I'd love to talk to them and answer their questions. And, of course, I get to tell Penelope's story, and I get to be Penelope's dad. So I saw I saw that value, and I found my why again. I found that why. And you can see, I mean, you know, I know we're on a podcast, I, and you can't I see can, it, but my face yeah, lights I can see my, you because we're seeing yeah. each other, but the Yes, you know, my, my face lights up. Well, I just have you know, to say, your whole your face has been lit up the whole time, by the way. Uh, you just have the, you can see, you know, they say the soul, you know, eyes are the portal to the soul, you know. Is that what it is? Is it eyes or is it smile? Now I don't know. But in yours is both. You have both. both of them. <laughs> I have both. I know yes. I have both of them because, you know, and I, you know, I found, and nobody told me this when I was going to go talk to, some doctors at St. Jude or, you know, give a, give a speech at a college, you know, nobody told me that that's when I got to be Penelope's dad again. And I realized that and I said, man, 
I thought I'd lost that forever. When she died, I didn't ever think I would get to say, you know, I'm Penelope's dad. And that's where I start off every time I talk. And that's, that's what I get to say. And the power in that is unbelievable. And you thought what was never going to happen again just happened. Mm. And like you said, you're, you're hooked. And it's like, anytime I can talk about it, you know, her or give insight to what I went through, whether it was right, wrong or otherwise, you know, there's power in those stories. And I love hearing everybody else's stories because you pick up those little things that maybe they did or tried or part of their story that lightens my path just a little bit. And, it, you know, because like you said, this grief road, this grief journey is a dark path. And I think about it every time that I get to do these things as Penelope's dad, it brightens just a little bit every single time. And, you know, and it, what, whether I'm on the receiving end of hearing somebody or actually giving the talk, you know, that, that's where it's at. And, you know, being able to share my book and those thoughts and somebody that reaching out to you saying, man, I went through that same thing or I thought those same things or it totally changed my mind. You know, that's Penelope mm-hmm. still working. That, that's her still working, you know, through me and, and me being able to keep her memory alive in somebody else's that story. is that is so powerful and so beautiful it's true it's like in that in the journey of helping others in their grief journey by you sharing your story you end up helping yourself it's kind of like you're shining a light like you're just saying that little glimpse of light of hope of somebody that may be just starting their grief journey themselves and saying oh wow this person has been you know a bereaved dad for what now almost six years am i counting right almost six five five years years. well Well, i'm a teacher 2016 no yeah five years it's gonna be five years you see i'm like yeah didn't you just teach math this morning like i sometimes Uh, think i have to go back to learning the uh some of the math ways they do now the new math that i didn't learn that new math that my kids you know (laughs) learned (laughs) so uh, (laughs) it will definitely make it easier so i don't have to count with my fingers but um in that in that journey, right? Like when you are shining then that light on somebody else's journey that is just starting of showing them how you moved forward with your grief and still, you know, are now shining light on others and then also lights a light in your own life, right? So it's 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 a it's a beautiful it, I don't know. I think that, I, and I, I, I believe in, in God and stuff. So I really feel that God made helping others feel so good so we could just serve others more. You know what I mean? Like that it feels so good, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that's beautiful. Now, what? tell us a bit about then Dads of Steel. Is Dads of Steel then what was created because of you helping then with St. Jude in the St. Jude Hospital? Is that how Dads of Steel was created? So, so Dads of Steel is, is actually completely okay. separate. And um, so, you know, St. Saint, Saint Jude is, is my, my one branch, and that's my, you know, my forever family. You know, once a St. Jude parent, always a St. Jude parent. And, you know, that sort of got me into everything and, you know, getting my book out there and, you know, putting me out there where I felt comfortable talking. And, and we, um, <laughs> they, so Dave Steele uh, actually founded Dads of Steel as sort of a, memorial to his daughter who had passed away, Aubrey. And, you know, Dads of Steel is a, is a community of fathers that are there to, you know, just uplift being good dads and being, you know, 
being there, being present, you know, committed, connected, and courageous. You know, that's their, their three words. Say, it, right say there. them again. What is and, it again? Uh, committed, connected, and courageous. Cr- courageous. Committed, connected, and courageous. And it's just, you know, it's just a positive atmosphere. You know, he, on Facebook and social media, they're highlighting good dads and, you know, whether it be a fit dad or whether it be reading to, you know, reading to your kids or, you know, those feel good stories. But, you know, part of, you know, his story is losing his child and losing Aubrey. And, you know, it, it is based in Chicago. So they're in Chicago and I'm in Tennessee. And, you know, they had a few dads that sort of met and connected, you know, sort of through Dads of Steel and sort of what Dave was doing. And um, he met some other guys, Don and Sam. And, you know, they're all from the Chicago area. But I think, I really think it was me that I was either searching Pigtails and Steel, maybe on Google. Or, you know, I was doing something. Because that's the and name you were going to put, because that's the name you were going to use for your book. So you're kind of Googling to see if it existed right. already or. Yeah. Right. I was just, I was just looking things up. I think I had already at that time, I think we had, because I self-published. So I think I'd already published it and maybe I was just Googling to see like if it came up, yeah. you know, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, does my book come up on Google? You <laughs> it's know? like we all Google and our I, name, right? Across, we all Google our name. <laughs> right. You know, you do. It's like, don't, don't yeah, lie. Yeah, you yeah. know, we all do it, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and I think, you know, dad's a steel and and there was an extra E at the end of steel. And I was like, Oh, what is this? And I think I clicked on it and just looked at it. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And checked out his thing. And and I had seen, I saw a picture of where he posted about, you know, Aubrey and Aubrey Violet and, and his thing was purple. And, you know, our thing was purple. And I was like, Oh, there's something here. And, you know, we connected somehow, whether it was through a DM or something. And, uh, he said, yeah, man, we, you know, we meet on Zoom. We've been meeting, uh, you know, just a bunch of dads. You know, it's nothing formal or anything like that. And, you know, and that was the hard part. It was like, do I really want to talk to another group of dads about losing a child? That's the, you know, that's the setup that everybody has. Like, do do I even want to do this, take that first step? And I did. I clicked the Zoom link and, you know, I met these guys online and, you know, there were, some guys from Chicago. There was nobody from Tennessee. And there was a guy, um, Robert from the Netherlands, who was on there. And I said, you know, what have I stepped into? And within the first 10 minutes of talking, like, I just felt like these are my mm-hmm. people. Like, these guys know what it's like. And we all lost our children a different way um, in different circumstances. And, but we all get it. And we met, you know, we met, pretty much every Sunday on zoom. And, you know, it wasn't go, not that it was not going anywhere, but we were just, you know, just talking and just talking about our weeks. And, you know, I felt pretty strongly. I was like, I want to do this. I want to help. And I just asked Dave, I I just sent him a text or an email. And I said, man, would you care if I just sort of, you know, led this a little bit? It's sort of what I do at St. Jude. It's not my exact wheelhouse. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a, counselor or anything you know i'm just a dad like y'all but but i've had a little bit of training you know saint jude trains us and and all these these things and i said let's just try it out and you know we come up with a topic and we all talked and we had a couple more dads join i knew another saint jude dad and he joined and i met another guy and and he joined in and you know it just sort of organically grew to this tight-knit group and uh we just sort of said you know what let's make this official and you know, Dads of Steel Grief Support, you know, came under the Dads of Steel umbrella. And 
you know, we, we got the Instagram and, you know, like I said, I'm not a, I'm a teacher. I'm not a social media person. You know, I had to learn, you know, some of those things and getting our name out there and, you know, cause grief is hard and dealing with grief alone is even harder. And a lot of us dads, you know, that's how we felt because like we talk about it every Sunday, we talk about a topic, you know, like we were talking about friends, you know, this past month and, all of our stories, like we can all say, we can all nod our heads and go, yeah, man, I know exactly what you're talking about. Whereas when we were going through it, you didn't feel like anybody else in the world Mm -hmm. knew what you were talking about. Yeah. And just to hear, just to hear, or even see that head nod of another guy going, man, I feel you. Like, wow. Like that, you know, we can talk to, you know, I can talk to Ellen or I can talk to, you know, anybody else but when you sit there and talk to dads and we realized how powerful it was for a bunch of dads to actually talk because like i said we don't share it we don't record it anything that's said in there you know we it's an understood thing of hey man you know we're going to keep it in here and you say what you need to get it out and we're good and there's so much power in that that after you take that first step you know you want to take 20 more it's like I, i you know it's a highlight of our week now so Dads of Steel came, you know, our our connection with Dave and Don, you know, Don's the president of Dads of Steel right now. And, you know, I feel like I just met them for the first time about a month ago. Gonna, came down I was just going to ask if you guys have met in person. We we did. They they drove down. They were escaping the Chicago winter, the negative <laughs> temperatures. It was cool. And they said, we got, yeah, they were like, we got to get out of here. And they just drove down to Tennessee and we met and had a good long weekend. And like I said, you know, I already felt close to them just because of our stories and, you know, just being there for each other. Like, you know, we spend a lot of time on there, you know, just talking about our weeks and what we feel anxious about. And we're a sounding board yes. for each other. Whereas, you know, a lot of men, yeah, you have your friends, but what do you talk about? We're talking about sports. We're talking about current events. We're talking about, you know, other things. You're not talking about your actual like feelings. And that's mm-hmm. hard. But once you do it once and you're like, man, I feel so much better, like, or something I'm going to feel anxious about, you know, whether it was coming on a podcast and actually talking about dads of steel, like I talked to him on Sunday and, you know, every one of them was like, man, you can do this, you know, just, you know, just be real and, and speak from your heart. And that just gave me that courage to do that. You know, they're, you know, they're my biggest cheerleaders and biggest fans and, you know, we're there for each other. And that's, that's awesome. So important. That is, and that is, and what you said of creating this other group of friends um, with that commonality of where you could talk about your grief journey, because some of your other groups of friends, you could probably not share the same things, right? So you mentioned that, for example, that was one of the topics you might have shared a, a lot uh, within your group. Did a lot of your friend dynamics change? after Penelope died. Tremendously. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, I actually now, you know, I had a, a great bunch of guys that were there for me every step of the way. And, you know, after Penelope passed away, that's hard. You know, we're as men, we're not meant to deal with our emotions. Any, you know, we don't deal with our emotions anyway, and we don't talk about our feelings, but you know, I saw us drifting apart and not because anything that they did or I did, or it was just life. And I had to figure out how to do things. And 
you know, like you said, no, nobody wants to be part of this club. Nobody wants to be part of the breed parent club and the breed dad club. But once you find those guys who are also part of this club and you just have that connection that you, you, you didn't have with anybody else. And, you know, the guys that I have now that um, are around me and my inner circle here now are amazing. And I can, I can talk to them about things and they, they will listen to anything that I have to say, but there's still that point that we reach that they, they just don't understand, nor do I want them to understand that. But you know, that's what I think a lot of us men are missing are we might be able to tell a little bit of our story or tell a little bit about how we feel, but there's that limit that we hit that we really need to have something else there to help us work through it. We might be able to talk about it or we might be able to mention it, but we can't actually work through it. If you don't have people who understand exactly what you're going through every day. You, you, that was so beautifully how you, explained that yeah because you have to still go through it yeah because you can have friends that are the ones that you hang out with that make you laugh and you're part of your grief also has laughter grief also has moments of just mindless watching tv grief can also look like going to a sports game grief can look many ways and your friends can be there for those parts but in the actual probably processing some of these emotions and that part of your journey Friends that maybe have not gone through something similar to you, again, they they can only help up to a certain point in that grief journey. And so having these kind of support groups w- w- have been that lifeline for you. Definitely. You know, and it's, and they are, and they're there for me. You know, if I, if they see me down, you know, they, they ask, Hey man, do you want to go do this? Or, you know, let me come over. Do you need to talk? And, and they're there, like you said, they're there for you in all those aspects that you do need, whether it is, you know, mindlessly talking about something that's going on or, you know, watching a game or anything like that. But I, I realized that I needed more, you know, when I wasn't dealing with things right. And, and that takes a lot of a lot of self, you know, actualization there to say, hey, you know, I'm not dealing with this right. And it took me screwing up a few things. Um, to realize that. And then once I found how to talk about it and other men that did understand it, it was like, man, you know, <laughs> why didn't I do this sooner? But, you know, I, I think too, you've got to, that's part of the journey. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say the same word. That's just it part, part of, of it. it. And, and it's, it's, it's the same with the, with children, right? Like as parents, we will not necessarily parent right every single time we will make mistakes as we go along it is part of that journey of even parenting and the same thing goes with grief you there's no one there's no right or wrong way of grieving each part just comes to each person as it you know as it goes and you even mentioned you and ellen had different ways of navigating your grief as well um so also coming to that understanding that those around you who are also grieving the loss of the same person will grieve differently and being understanding to that is also important. So there's just so many different layers of grief that, uh, yeah, there's no right or wrong. <laughs> there isn't, you know, it's like we want, you know, healing's not linear. We want it so bad to be linear. I want to get from point A, you know, when Penelope died to not that life will ever be the same, but I got to get back, you know, mm-hmm. when's this A to B going to happen? And, you know, 
there's all those what the five stages of grief and there's all these labels people put on it but I, i'll hit those five stages before yeah breakfast. yeah yeah like i mean I, <laughs> that's like you know and but that's when when all that's out there when you know when you don't have somebody to talk to you're reading these things you're trying to figure out okay well i'm angry i need to i need to go to acceptance or something like that whereas when you're talking to another bereaved dad you know he understands why you know lost my cool in this situation but he also says he also you know has the understanding to say all right ma'am next time what are we going to do you know and anything that he says right wrong or otherwise i'm going to take in and now i now i've taken that to heart whereas reading it or hearing it from a therapist is no less valuable but it just didn't resonate with me as much as a dad as a father than you know maybe it did with somebody it's like somebody that's already been through the trenches of it somebody already went through it and they're you know they're sharing their own journey and what's helped them it's very different than when you're reading maybe just the again just the therapy book of abc but what you know of this what step one step two step three that doesn't mean anything to me (laughs) personally (laughs) but and it's and it's a great place to yeah. start to under sort of understand, but then like you said, you hit those five A B and then you're whatever, like now what? breakfast, and then you're like, <laughs> now what do I do? Like okay, like where am I supposed to go now? And and you know to hear another dad say, yeah, man, I yeah. felt that. Like I did the same. You know, it, like I said, it might not be the same situation. It might not be. You know, he got mad at the grocery store when I got mad at school. You know, whatever it was. You know, all of our stories are different, but the the commonality is, you know, I know he, like you said, I know he's been through it and I know he understands me and he's not going to judge me for, you know, for losing my cool, but he's going to help me get through it. And we say that about Robert all the time. And, you know, Robert being from the Netherlands, they are very direct and handle things a lot different than we do. You know, even I say here in in the South, but here in, in America, and I've learned so much from him about being direct and taking control over the situation and changing my mindset even more from, you know, learning every day in this grief journey, you know, he, as I said, he, he's my spirit animal. Like I think of Robert all the time when I get to handle things and we all, we all he's joke your about spirit that, animal. Robert, it's like, he is, but it's like, he's, he's like, I love that. I'm like, is he okay being your he spirit is. animal? He's just your spirit. Yeah. <laughs> the other spirit. You know, Somebody it's like, you, you know, you, you think yeah. of this movie. He's a, right. It's like, he, he's my, He's my go-to and, and he's helped me. And like, I would have never had that. I would never have, if I hadn't have said yes to this group, you know, I've never would have even heard some of those ways of dealing with it. And we have a guy, you know, that's also a St. Jude dad who, who joins in, you know, outside of it. And, you know, he's newer in grief and he's hearing us, you know, I'm five years out. We have got seven years out or, you know, 15 years out. And he hears us, you know, going through these and he's like, man, you know, I feel, you know, I'm, I feel ready to handle this now because just because you all are going back and forth. And like I said, we don't agree on everything. And, you know, one of them will say something I'm like, ah, you know, that didn't work for me, but this did. And we just, but it's mm-hmm. okay. You know, it's all, like I said, it, it's just giving those examples and being there for each other is what's, what's that's awesome. wonderful because it's basically like by hearing different people's perspectives. I mean, I, I, I say this even with the podcast, somebody's listening to the podcast uh, 
and they'll relate to one particular person's journey more than somebody else's journey, right? And they'll take some nuggets from this episode, then another episode, and then they can build their own toolkit. So the same thing happens in the bereavement groups like that because you're hearing, oh, this person that's been through it for five years, this has worked for them, this is this. I'm more like this type of personality. I think I'm going to use these tools when I am confronted with this situation because these are more like the type of tools I need. You know, somebody may use prayer, meditation as their tools. Other people might use, uh, you know, journaling, writing books, you know, whatever it is, going to bereavement groups. So there's just so many different tools and everybody can just use what works for them or try them all (laughs) and see see what falls. (laughs) And, co- and, jo- and join us next Sunday and tell us about your, your, your successes Absolutely. and your terrible fails. Absolutely. And, you know, we, you know, even I, you know, I, I'm the, the bereavement director, but, you know, I, I ask as many questions as I, as, as I tell stories, you know, I'm like, this is getting ready to happen. You know, how do y'all handle that? And we're just, cause we feel so comfortable with each other. You know, we can be honest and, you know, there's those times where we need to be, stern with each other and there's those times where we're like you know man holler at me if you need me and and i think like you said just having that toolkit of all those different perspectives is it's made me a better man like those men have made me a better man and and you You have whether it is them and you've been that to them as well right now tell us then how can people how can men join how their dads join if they want to join dads of steel as well as giving us then some information as to, and I'll put these inform this information in the, um, in the show notes, but if you want to share how they can join these conversations. So, you know, we're on Instagram. So Instagram is DOS grief support and, you know, we're trying to stay pretty active on there and we have a lot of people we connected, you know, we connected yes. through there <laughs> and, you know, and even, like I said, even if we're not the best place on Instagram for somebody, you know, we might tag somebody that is, you know, we're all in this together and, you know, we're, we're all in this to help each other. And, you know, Instagram's our first or email, you know, my email is real simple. It's Andy at dads of steel.com. And you said, and you, had an website, e up, you which, said it has an E after the L. Yeah. Yeah. So S T E L E. Um, and you know, our website, dadsteel.org, there's a grieving tab, there's a grieving dad tab, and we're building that resource page, you know, even as we speak and changing that. But on there is a Google form uh, contact. So it's just a real simple, you know, you know, maybe you're a dad who you just want to reach out and just see like, Hey, you know, this might be for me, this might not, you know, we have an email contact, we have a phone, you know, however you want us to contact you, or even if you're you know, a relative or a, you know, a, a wife of somebody who, you know, just want to reach out, you know, that that's there too. So, you know, the, the website will have that Google form and they can reach out anyway. And like you said, it's, you know, we're not here to push anything on you or I'm not going to, you know, fill your inbox or anything with, with newsletters and mail, you know, I just want y'all to know that, you know, we're here for you when you need us, you know, cause everybody, it's going to be different for everyone and every dad's different. And, Whenever you're ready to take that first step, we're going to be here and, you know, we're going to bring you in. And I promise that, you know, just like the rest of us, five to 10 minutes in, you're going to realize that, man, you know, these guys get me because we, 
we all do. You said something so key when is when it which is that whenever you're ready because it doesn't mean that the day after somebody's passed away that's the first thing you're thinking of. Let me go and find a bereavement group. Sometimes it may be a year, two years down the line. Uh, something comes up like a, a first anniversary is coming up or a first birthday and you're like not knowing what to do. And that's when you're like, whoa, I really do need people to talk to. It may not, you know, so um, yeah, timing sometimes is what makes it, you know, possible for people to <laughs> reach out. Right. And, you know, like you said, it could be an event or it could just be, you know, let me check out their Instagram. And, you know, we have, you know, there's times where some of the men join and you don't even have to talk. You know, you don't have to. You can just mm. listen. And sometimes that's as powerful of anything is you don't have to turn your camera on. You know, we're not going to force you to talk or share your story. You know, sometimes it's good just to listen to other dads and say, oh, OK. And then maybe next time, if it's for you, you know, we're still going to be there every Sunday. Or if I need to reach out on a different day, you know, that's what I'm that's here for. What- I'm just, I'm just here to help. We're just dads helping other What dads. a great resource and what a great service you do. And now for pigtails and, uh, pig sta- pigtails and steel, am I saying it right? The name of the book? Okay. Yeah, pigtails For your and book, steel. then how can people access your book? Where can they buy it? So you can just search on Amazon. So, you know, you can search for it on Amazon and just type in pigtails and steel and it's just regular steel, no E at the end. And, uh, and it will come up and, you know, what we do, any proceeds that I get off of that, I self-published, we self-edited, we did all that. You know, anything, you know, which we don't make much, but we give back in Penelope's memory to St. Jude. Yeah. So, you know, that goes back to us, and then we put it right back into St. Jude or, you know, maybe put it into a Dads of Steel, something where we can reach out to even more dads. Paying so. it forward, paying it forward. Andy, are there any other few words you'd like to say before we close off this conversation? I think the biggest thing is just knowing that we're out there, you know, it, whenever you're ready, we're here. You know, we, we say it to each other all the time that you feel so alone going through this as a dad and you feel your time up, you know, trying to stay busy and trying to push that grief down. We all do. We all do those things. But when you're ready to talk about it, we just want people to know that we're here and, and we're ready to talk about it with you. It's like a it's like a, a friend that's just always there, just waiting. Whenever you're ready, just reach out and and they're they're there. It's like those type of friends, right? Thank you so much. Right. Thank you so much for your time and for being back on screen after having taught all day to second graders and having your your kiddos probably waiting to play with dad and and in the meantime you're chatting. So thank you for sharing your journey, sharing Penelope's story. And then Ellen and Scout and Maisie as well with us in this journey. So thank you. Thank you. I got to be Penelope's dad another oh. time. That's thank you, Penelope's dad, for being on. I will, I should have just called you Penelope's dad the entire conversation and not Andy. There we go. <laughs> thank you, Andy. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. 
Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.